Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. So hello and welcome to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. Um, this is Dr. Dave Cornelius, your host. I am super excited and pleased to announce the launch of a new series with my friend Tracy Tracy. Um, we're going to be talking Ooh. about belonging and healing over several episodes, starting with one episode each month. Um, we'll see where we go from there. Right? Hey, Tracy, what's going on? Good morning, Dr. Dave. How are you? Oh, it's so formal. We, we know each other too long to be calling <laughs> Well, you can call me Dr. Dave. Well, I'm I'm looking at your name on the on the screen and it says Dr. Dave. So I'm calling you Dr. Dave. Okay, okay, I'll call you I'll call you Cornelius. What's up, Cornelius? How you doing? I would rather you call me Dr. Dave. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, part of our conversation today, we have a few topics that we're gonna go over. Um, and since we're talking about belonging, and so the four topics would be sense your space for belonging. Um, we'll probably dig into some generative workspace for belonging. Don't fake belonging. And then back to your vision. Yeah, some ideas around how we could get there. Um, so what do we want? So let's just jump in and let's talk about the importance of belonging for us human beings, right? I mean, this is something that we need. If we don't have it, um, you know, we go stir crazy, I guess. Or we, we go and live in cabins out in the bush. Mm, and some people like to do that. Because they belong yeah. out there, right? If we're talking about belonging. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking about that belonging thing and what that means in this society that we live in and how yeah. it's, you got to find your people in order to feel like you belong. Right. Right. How do you find your people? And then when you find your people and you show up, do you feel like you're part of the people that you think you want to be a part of? So do you really feel like you belong? Yeah, that, that is a very insightful view, right, In, into those relationships, right, that you're trying to build with, with um, these individuals that you're part of. So um, mm-hmm. oftentimes we're looking in to see like, hey, do they help us emotionally? Right? Do they make us happy or spiritually right. or even from a physical context, right? Are they helping us physically in terms of, you know, us being a part of their that space? How do we sense that, right? trying to figure that out yeah and and do they make me happy or do they help me find my own happiness when even in those groups of belonging there's so much stuff that needs to be healed within those groups in order to feel like they even belong yeah I kind of think the sense of belonging comes back to self can I accept who I am and all of my stuff in order to show up authentically in a group that I think are my people and then feel like I belong. And that was a whole lot, but that's kind of the trajectory, right? Yeah. Cause I, I think of it as like, you know, self-love, self-respect, self-healing, yeah. right. Um, self-esteem. I mean, it all comes, but it starts with us, right. right. Because the sensing is from us into the environment with other people that we connect with. So, you know, it's, it starts with us. Yeah. Yeah. I like using self-efficacy instead of yeah. self-esteem, right? Sure. Because self-esteem feels to me more externally driven because I feel good when people respond to me in a certain kind of way. And it can also be internal, but I think so- sometimes when we think self-esteem, it's how, 
how good do I feel about myself and how good do I feel about myself when others are around? And sometimes we need the external environment to help us with that. When I think of self-efficacy is like, how do I feel about how I show up in what I know about myself? Like how efficient am I with Tracy, right? How, how do I know me? And I think it's a competency thing. How competent am I with myself? I think is, is it's kind of a different take on that self-esteem thing. Well, sure, sure. Efficacy definitely applies. And, and um, you know, how we feel about ourselves, you know, it, at times is driven by external sources, people, other people. But I, I think, you know, when I think of happiness versus joy, right, Th- those two different contexts, you know, happiness is based on things that are ha- has happened or is, is happening. And joy is an internal comes from the inside so you have to have a balance of both for it to work really well for you to sense because you know you know and i I guess you know at some point you could not have any direction in the the process of belonging and then your sensing will take you in in a different direction what do you mean (laughs) give give me more of that well you have lots of people who may not have a sense of who they are i mean the majority of people I, I can't say majority. I just say so. I'm going to say majority. <laughs> okay, um, you say majority. I'm going to say majority from the folks that I've worked with. Yeah. Majority of people are like, who am I? Right? Yeah. Right. And I think even more so now, people are digging into that. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, you know, if we go beyond just the self, and, and I sometimes I want to dig in to look at the past, right? And, and I think about, you know, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King and his, his I have a dream speech. And, and as he was talking about society as a whole and, and how the words of the Constitution kind of gave us this sense that, you know, we're ears to the space that we live in. Right. You know, we're talking all people. Is what he was talking about, about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Right. So, you know, so let's let's think about that from that context and see where that leads us in this conversation. Yeah. How, how? I I get what you're saying. Right. And I Mm -hmm. get that we're all heirs to whatever. And if we're looking at the past, right. The past is a lot of the, many of the, many of the situations I've seen the past is the thing that creates the block for people actually feeling like they belong because there's so many hurts from the past. And I don't mean like as a people globally, I mean, like personally, like my childhood kind of Mm -hmm. past and say my check. Can we cuss on here? You can do whatever. Okay. (laughs) It's like, if my childhood was so fucked up that I can't, it, it messed me up so much. I don't even, know who I am. How am I going to find a sense of belonging? So I'm just kind of out here looking and searching in all these different places that may not be good for me. And I don't know if I'm going to ever belong. That's, that's loneliness, right? That is just, that goes a whole nother layer. That's, that's deep. And, you know, and I tend to look at the, 
and this is my sense of optimism, right? right I tend right. to look at the glass kind of half full because I think right. th- there's a certain group of people out there who also, in spite of their upbringing and, and the challenges that they've, they've, they've experienced, they've been resilient enough to find a path forward and be able to sense where they belong. And it takes time. It's not something that's going to be overnight. Right? That's a lot of work. And, but what, what I was referring to was, you know, the, the Declaration of Independence and falling heir to those wonderful words that we could embrace as part of who we are, that, that we have the rights to those things. Those things are important for us. Yeah. You know, even beyond just that document, you know, how do we bring it into our life that, you know, the right for life, liberty and, and the pursuit of happiness or pursuit of joy? Um, is, yeah, is, I yeah. think that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Like, if, if we all have a right to that, how how do we find that? How do we seek that out? And it and my I'm not saying the glass is not half full because it can still be half full and you can still do the work, like the searching and the seeking and learn about the past and discover who you are from that and still feel joy. Those things can yeah. coexist together, right? So it's about the glass being half full and discovering what's in the other half of the glass. I completely right? agree and align on that, you know, that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that, that is a thing that is a reality, right? That that's okay. going to happen, that we're going to you know, be half full and we still have to discover. I, I don't think we ever get to a point where, well, at least let me just speak for me personally. Yes. I'm always in discovery mode and I'm seeking and acknowledging and trying to get better as a human being every day. You know, that's right. my journey, but that's just for me. Most, I don't know, for some, that's not a thing. You know, I'm yeah. the, I've reached where I've reached and that's good enough. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> And that, you know, that that's why the world is so, you know, so fun, because there's so many different kinds of people, right? Yeah. It's just, and, and so many walks of life, which takes us back to you can find your place with some people, right? You can find your, your group, your, your fraternity, your, your bros, your sisters, your people, you can find them. Yeah. As you discover who you are, those things can happen together. They can coexist together. You don't have to discover who you are in order to feel like you belong. And you don't no. have to belong in order to discover who you are. Those things can work together. I agree. They're, you know, they're like your left and right hand working together, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, as we say in the historical context, and um, you talk about your upbringing, right, and, and the impact of that. So, I'm going to go to W.E. Dubois and talk about his double consciousness that people of color sometimes have to experience, right? Of where we're in a code switch kind of mode, right? So, you know, th- there's okay when, that... when I'm with my people in, from the Virgin Islands, when I'm right. with, with, you know, African-Americans from the United States, and when I'm with other people in, in my corporate setting or even in the community that I live in. You know, there's some double consciousness happening there and some code switching at times, right? Yeah, and I think when W.E.B. Dubois said what he said, or Dubose, what he said what he said, it was necessary for survival for yes. people to code switch, right? Because I think you said that it was in 1903. That yep, yep, yep. And that was necessary. We're, even though we're 120 years later, people feel 
still feel they need to code switch. And I guess I want to redefine this code switching thing because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it serves us the way it, I don't know if it's necessary for us as a means of survival as it was in 1903, right? Cause we could die in 1903. Well, we could die today too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's where you are, man. Where right, do you live? <laughs> exa- exactly. Right. Exactly. However, in corporate America, when I think about code switching and then you going back to a black community and speaking differently, the, the words, the speaking is not necessarily the code switching. That is just a vernacular. That is a colloquialism we move through when we move, talk to different people. My concern is when we code switch is if we really change parts of ourselves, that can get dangerous. And that leads to less belonging in a, in a community than anything, even when you are with your people, because you got to recalibrate when you get with your people, right? That's a lot. That's a heavy lift mentally. And that is exhausting for people. And I know many people still do that today. And they have to. They feel for survival. I want to start yeah. pushing back at that. I want, I want, I want to, I want to, I want people to experiment to see how they show up in their authentic self when they're in spaces of people who are not their folk and then see what that feels like and begin to kind of wear that and play with that. Well, yeah, because, you know, when we talk about our space of belonging, we want freedom from that double consciousness and that code switching. Right. I mean, right. that's, that's, a, that's the end state. That's that end in mind that we want to get to, right? Where we don't right. have to do that. We, and, and we don't have to do it in those other spaces either. Not only in our, and that's what I'm pushing back at. Yeah. I want us to experiment with it when we're in those other spaces too, to just really be authentically you and, and, and use it and just show up as you and see what that feels like and, and how that's received, especially as the world is changing. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Like when, you know, when I, when I came to, when I went to college as a freshman, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm thinking about this code switching and this just came which, to mind. Which was 80 years ago, but okay, go ahead. Well, well fine. Go ahead and dog <laughs> me and throw me out. Just, just throw me <laughs> under the bus of 80 years ago. Um, but, but here's the reality though. I think you were right there with me, weren't you? Whatever. Keep going. Keep moving. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about code switching. You are. Go ahead. But, but I'm just I'm just giving you a, a, an example is that, you know, growing up in the West Indies, we have a tendencies to speak differently. Right. Well, not a tendency. We do speak differently. And right. and so um, I was in an English class and I was lectured to start working on my THs. Right. Because, you know, dear, dear and dear means there. <laughs> there uh-huh. and there, right? <laughs> you know, right. And, and so I'm talking about three different things, but where I come from is dear, dear, and dear, right. right? So, you know, that was that level of coming into a society that they didn't understand my language. Right. And I've had to learn how to code switch and be mindful when I'm speaking of things. Cause sometimes I would say things like plug it in and plug it out instead of unplug it and plug it. And, and so what, what do you mean by plug it in? What do you, Un, you know, or plug it out. But that's the thing that what I grew up with. We, we say things sometimes differently. And, and I, I, I totally <laughs> get that because I, I actually grew up in a household that said plug it in and plug it out. Oh, you're, OK. So I, I think right. it's, it, it's it's a black people thing. Maybe. 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 Right. Maybe. Right. I don't know. Yeah. 
And, and, and I get that. And that, I guess that's part of it, at not throwing you under the bus, but that was mm-hmm. 40 years ago where you were an undergrad, right? I don't think it was that long, but it was close enough. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> when you started close undergrad, close when enough. When I started right? undergrad, it was close enough. Right. And, and, and I guess that's part of the point. Yeah. For somebody who has some cultural humility, some I was a professor, right? Yeah. Professor for 20 some years. And I've had students from other countries speak in their country colloquialism. I had to get used to it. I didn't want them to change how they showed up. I had to understand how they showed up. I think you were in a, a more informed space than yes you know well, the other side created, so, so that's a different but thing. i created that space and that's what i'm saying i think yeah. people need to create those spaces so that we can feel like we belong and we don't yes. have to change who we are I, and i totally agree I, I totally agree and just things that we have to not just when i say we I'm talking about those of us who are either in a position in those positions of powers as a professor, you know, as a business leader that we have to create those safe spaces. Yeah. Yeah. All of those people. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also, you know, there's going to be some transition that you have to make in in order for communication to be effective. And Mm so, and, 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 uh, my friend from one of my friend from oh, he's from New York. He goes, yeah, Mary, Mary, Mary. I'm like, like what? Yeah, it, it's just a East Coast thing, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that he, he talks about that all in terms of Mary, 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 and Mary. And Mary. Mary. Right. Yeah, right. like, Mary, Mary, Mary. That's right. said, that's just the way we talk, you know. Right. So I right. got it. Yeah, and, and that and and when he said that, and maybe he was a white male, right? Right. And that that white male was saying, I'm not changing how I say Mary, Mary or Mary. You got to figure out what I'm saying. Right. And they're expecting us to change things so they can understand us. And I say they when I'm talking people of power who may be white. Yes. Right. And that, that to me is a double standard. Because this white dude is not is going to say, you're going to have to accept how I say what I say, yet I'm not going to accept how you say what you say, because you got to say it so I can understand it. I kind of think uh, right. that's bull cocky. Well, yes, it's totally poppycock. It is. Right? And that, that's why I push back on code switching, because I think it's bullshit. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's just me. And it's okay, because you were just <laughs> you. Miss <laughs> Trey Trey, mm-hmm. because it's just you. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we should, we can maybe think about that a little bit and, and people become more a little more culturally aware. Um, when I when I think about the cultural differences and nuances, we aren't going to know all of them, but no, I think it's OK no. to have a, a space where they're all welcome. Yes, of course. We, we have to have a big enough tent or and big that's enough about belonging. Space. Right. And yes. that means you belong. Yeah. OK. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in order for us to sense, you know, belonging, I believe we have to start with an end in mind. We have to have something that we could look forward to, some visioning around what that looks like to you. I mean, to belong. Know. What if you don't know? I mean, because when I think about belonging, and I'm and I'm say I'm out here trying to figure out where I belong and in and yeah. in what space I belong in. How am I going to know what that end goal is if I don't even know where I'm going? 
there's two there are two different things mm-hmm. the vision is one thing and there's the experiments that you have to run to really figure this out so there are two things happening so you could have a vision and the vision isn't static right i mean our lives aren't static i mean i could create a vision for my life in in a certain Right. period of time right. and run through those experiments and go like okay nine of the nine out of those things don't apply take one mm-hmm. and they go on to another period so that's what we're talking about we're not talking about being the end in mind being a static thing right. that it's right. a vision and visions yeah. do change yeah. yeah you know so what does that look like what what, what would that look like i mean in terms like, of i don't know to what like have a vision to have a goal to have a vision. I'm talking about visions. You know, what does that what what does that end kind of look like for whatever period of time it is? Yeah, I guess that's just asking the person. So what do what do you where do you want to be in three months? Where do you want to be in six? Where do you want to be in a year? What do you what do you what do you want your life to look like? And then what are you what are those steps toward that, if that's the thing? And well, Go ahead. Beyond, beyond, beyond the clinical space. You're, oh. I'll, 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 I'm just thinking of certain people that I've met in my life that yeah. they've had a vision and you, you see it come to fruition. You, you watch them go through the experiments. Right. And some of it may have been well-planned. Some of it may not have been well-planned. It, it has been a journey, mm-hmm. but they still had a vision. Mm-hmm. And, and, I'm going to pull something in if this is okay, you know, you're going to do it anyway. And you know, I'm going to do it. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about your son when the, the, the first time I met him and, he, I, and I have a picture with him with a drumstick in his hand. And I think he was just months old. I had this vision and it made me not his vision that he was going to be a drummer, which how weird is that? And that has become a thing. And yeah. I think he has had that vision throughout his life about being just that mm-hmm. right. Without having a, regimented plan but he had a right. vision right yeah 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 he was drumming while he was in my stomach shit that boy he came the drum right <laughs> <laughs> he was like very chill but just tapping 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 um, there you go yeah i guess because his vision was to be a touring musician he knew that's what he wanted to do. So Hello. even my, when I was six, I told my father I was going to, when I grew up, I was going to be a shrink. <laughs> Who the hell knows about a shrink at six years old? Right? You did. Apparently. Yeah. Right? So I don't know what I was watching on TV. I don't know what was going on, but that was the vision. Didn't know how I was going to get there, but knew that that was a thing. And I don't know if that's more intuitive, if that's like your, I mean, this can go a whole nother way. Is that like your soul talking to you and you're fine and you're listening and you're tapped in or is it just arbitrary? I don't know. Um, I I know that I wasn't that young, but I was uh, in in 11th grade, you know, 80 years ago. And I uh, knew that I wanted to study computer science. Oof. that has never seen a computer in, in a day in my life but that's Oof. what i wanted to do and 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 you know what the trigger was mm. it, it wasn't about computers the trigger was the, about the, the the possibility of being able to create music and do all of these other 
things that I have passion about that I could do it with this medium. And I'm going like, wow, that's cool. Imagine if I could do music in 80 years ago, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm poking yeah, yeah. fun at you. I know you are. I know yeah, you are. With, with your ageism stuff. <laughs> well, you know, young one. If the age fits. <laughs> yeah. No, it does. I, I get that. I get that. And, and, and maybe people have that vision when they're, when they're young and, and it's that question, what did you want to be when you grow up? Right. Yes. And then they think first thing, and, and sometimes kids or, or, or adults will rattle off when they were children. Well, first it was a firefighter, then it was an astronaut, then it was this, then it was that. And then they, they, they realize when that shifted, they're like, oh, but in high school, there was this teacher that recognized something that I was good at. Right. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. Well, and then also it's, it's those, those things that you rattle off is what mom and dad said, right? Mom and dad said, or even people in your community, you should right. aspire to be this right? versus right. what that vision is that you would have so that you may find your sense of belonging, that space, right? Yeah, because that's yeah. an important thing to have a space of belonging. Right, um, right. And, and that goes, I mean, we can talk about culture with that too, because certain sure. cultures may not allow for their kids to dream in yeah. those non-creative or those creative spaces. You know, it's doctor, lawyer, you know, those kind of jobs go where the money is, computer science, you know, that kind of stuff. And then how do, how do we, how do those people find that sense of belonging if they've been directed culturally to do a certain thing? Yep. Yep. You know, that's, that's a very interesting thing. Yeah. yeah. But well, if we, so can we pursue um, a generative workspace of belonging? Right. And when I'm thinking of generative, it's, it's the whole aspect of being uh, giving birth me, uh, to new ideas of who you are and, and uh, where you want to be, who you want to be within, you know, the place that you work. Right. Whether yeah. that's in your own home office or at some corporate office or at a client space. Right. What, what does that look like for you? <laughs> I know it's a big, big, chunky conversation that we could have. Yeah, it's chunky because, I mean, full disclosure, I've never worked for anybody. I've worked in the, I, I know, right? I, um, I was a professor, so I worked in the university system, right? But you don't really work. You work for university, but there's not, there's nobody looking at my curriculum or lesson plans or whatever. I mean, I submitted it's okay. And then I teach my class. Right. And I've always been in private practice as a clinician and I've had my own facilities and clinics where I could help people. So I can talk in that context when my, when people are like, Hey, Tracy, I want to start this new program. I think we could do this or that and the other. If we're talking about the work environment, supporting that generative growth or belonging, that's about saying, okay, give me a plan. How are you going to do it? How are you going to execute it? What is it going to cost us? You know, all of the things that I would need in order to say, uh, let's do it now or let's table it. But I think there should be an environment created so that can happen. Right. And I would agree. 
and and maybe it doesn't need to be that overly structured that it's a space that we could experiment right and like and we call limited experiments where yes let's try that and see how that works and if it does and everyone it adds value to everyone then maybe that's the thing that we we adopt mm-hmm. and we start practicing yeah how do you do that if you're a person that has never done that for themselves and how do you like if you're at a employer how do you set a space for your employees to be able to do that well well, a fun way of doing that is you know you could use simple things of gamification right i mean we we use this concept of open space where anyone could bring an idea and we could explore that idea and then we could agree if that's something that we want to do as a collective right so you may have the idea that hey you know, I, I could wear my hair any way I want to without you having to judge me based on, you know, the, the, the hairstyle that I have. Mm-hmm. Can we explore that? And can we have conversations around that? And, and those, these are simple techniques that right. wasn't born in corporate America, just to lay, you know, the whole open space technology yeah. stuff came from West Africa, okay. yep. where people in the tribe would come together and they're, they would bring their challenges to the circle of, of individuals and they'll have conversations about it. Then they'll say, well, um, you know, what, what do we all think? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, 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 let's go do that. Mm-hmm. And you may have to come back again and, and say, you know, we tried it, but it didn't really work. Yeah. You know, they're, they're still taking on my goat milk and I'm just being facetious about no, that. No, 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 I know. But yeah. you know, that's all community supported, right? That it is a, that sounds like grassroots. That sounds like community organization that I guess my question, and this, I, and I don't know, it's not like we're going to answer it, but this is a question that I have. Yeah. How, how is that space created if there is a leader that does not encourage that thinking that, that that's, that's the thing. So I guess that leader if they trust the people around them to carry things out and they don't do it. But, you know, some, I just think of certain leaders we've had that have a very (laughs) certain way of thinking. Right. And there is no room for expansion. There is no room for that creativity. Well, the the thing is, it's not always always just about the will of that leader, right? It, It could also be about, the will of the people in, in a grassroots fashion running their experiments. Right. I mean, right. not everything, is, not everything starts from the top right. and, and trickles down to the bottom. Right. We have things that starts in a grassroots level. Many things in, in, in our country or in the world started at a grassroots level where people found a need, they ran their experiment and then it came up where it becomes widely accepted. So I think it's the same principle of, of creating. I think you need to have, people who are willing to take that risk right and i guess i'm just thinking of in a company context i get that on a global worldly context but i'm thinking of a company context and you got the 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 male person and the um assistant and this and that want to do something different to make the systems better but it's got to trickle up instead of down and who's going to listen to it and and that's yeah that's yeah, where it I takes work. That. And and there's been many successes where those individuals in those roles have created new ideas that, is, that has made companies very profitable, 
right? And make individuals, you know, find their sense of belonging in, in, a, in a new concept or a new business idea. Yeah, um, so, I, I would like for yeah. those things to be more public so that we know this is happening so that people in these companies can feel like they can do that. Yeah. You yeah. know, you, you, you hear about these things in TED Talks. Right. Right. <laughs> right. right. This right. is where you hear about them after the fact, because, right. you know, the, right. the oppressive leader, the right. narcissistic leader is not right. going to right. want to um, put that out there in public. Yeah. Right. So. Right. So, yeah, it, it, I guess it, you call it the little guy, but it's not the little guy. It's the foundation of the business. Right. It's it's those yeah. pillars in the business that make a big difference sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, little guys is just pecking order, right? The hierarchy. Right. Yeah. right. And they that and that gives them a sense of belonging. Like, I yeah, I belong to this company. Look at what I've contributed. And that's empowering. That is, I think, is golden. And you can take that sense of empowerment from work, and that can translate to so many other areas in your life of for self-efficacy. Right. Yeah. That yeah. 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 That's self-love and self-respect stuff that that's so important, you know, but, you know, one thing I would like to say is that we, we, we shouldn't fake it. If, if belonging isn't working, is it don't fake it till you make it, you know, if, if that's a thing. And I know many people have done that. I mean, I have, you know. And, and it's how, been how harmful you, to me. Right, right. I was going to say, how do you fake belonging without harming yourself, right? Well, you, you do harm yourself. That's the fact, yeah. right? Um, so th the thing is, how do we get people to be as authentic as they they possibly can, you know, and at least go through that journey? Because that that is hard stuff, right? Because you go like, and it, it falls right back in with the double consciousness and code switching too, right? It's like, Oh my God, in order for us to survive here, um, I have to dress a certain way. I have to speak a certain way. I have to have certain mannerisms. Um, I have to like golfing or to drink a lot. And, you know, as we start to think about these different things that other people get involved with, you know, oftentimes we're faking into that space so that we can have a sense of belonging, which is not healthy. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. You mm -hmm. know, so... And, and I guess we have to define what do we want to belong to yes. and where do we want to belong? And, and I guess that goes back to the beginning of the, the conversation. How the hell do you find that when you are not? And I'm going to go back to childhood, I guess. If mm -hmm. you're not somebody in your home as a kid being asked those questions or even honoring that you feel a certain kind of way about doing a certain kind of thing, right? Even like eating food. And, and this is from, this is a cultural standpoint. And so, mm -hmm. and I'm sure other cultures do that, but if this is what I cook for dinner and you ain't eating it, you're going to starve, right? That Even that kind of thing is like, the parent ain't got time for one. I totally get that. And, and can't be feeding five or six different palates if you don't want to eat it. Totally get that. There could be a dialogue though. Okay, what don't you like about this? Maybe we could plan the meals on the weekend and somebody gets something they like every night. You know, there's so many other negotiating tools. And if that isn't done in a household where that's a norm, how is a person gonna know how to do that as an adult? 
you know, as you you speak of that, I think of my own childhood that at a very young age, I, I decided that I wanted to be a vegetarian. I think I was in fifth grade. Okay. And, and I think because my mother had the experience of her mother being a vegetarian, okay, it made it a lot easier for her to be considerate, creating space and said, okay, you want to do this? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make things without meat for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to help you to learn how to eat this way so that yeah. you don't die of scurvy. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, how wonderful is that? Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That was an amazing experience. So I didn't have to to fake belonging because I, I looked at other kids that I grew up with. Yeah. And and I, I could just remember this these girls and, and their mom. And you know, their their mother slaughtered a pig or their family slaughtered a pig and they had the pig head there. Mm-hmm. And you know, her mother is like, you got to eat that air. You eat the force, eat the feet. And she said, mommy, the eyes are looking at me. And I'm going, I felt so bad. Every time I, that is like oh. imprinted in my mind. Yeah. And I was really, really young when that yeah. happened. Yeah. But that is. Yeah, that's you know, a great example. That's yeah. a great example of that. And and food I was using because many of us can relate to that. But when yeah. we talk about feelings and emotions or even having a voice. Yeah. I mean, think about how we're, our generation, children are to be seen and not heard, right? <laughs> and as soon as a child speaks, it's like, don't talk back. Don't give yep. me lip. And all that kid is doing is voicing what they feel. Yeah. So they get the message that that's not good. So how do I even get a that sense of, of that framework you're talking about, of, of that authenticity, how, how can I show up authentic when when I have shown up authentic, it has gotten me in trouble. So I'm going to really learn how to be a chameleon. And yeah. that's the cold switching part. Right. I'm going to learn how to be able to fit in any kind of group or I'm going to be I'm going to learn how to get in the background where nobody really sees me. I'm going to be smaller than I usually, you know, than I want to be so that I'm not drawing attention to myself. That like. I don't know. Um, it just gives that sense of not belonging more weight. Yeah, right? it's the work. I mean, it, there's a serious amount of work that takes place um, to actually find that place of belonging. And and yes, and it it could start from our childhood, right? Yeah. Of, of where we've been given permission to behave in certain ways, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not yakety yak. Don't talk back. Here's a smack. Right. right. <laughs> Which right. is some people's experiences right. um, and, and others where we have the opportunity to go and, hey, mom, I, I want to be vegetarian. Um, is that OK? You know, mm-hmm. you know, grandma and, 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 and great manipulation. Right. Grandma, you know, has been a, a vegetarian for a long time. And, right. you know, I, I, I want to follow in her <laughs> footsteps. So, <laughs> you know, so I, at least I, I had cover at grandma. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so there's there's just a lot of work when it comes into trying to be your authentic self in a space where you could belong, right? Yeah, when I think of authentic self, so I've been trained in so many different areas, and trauma comes to mind with authentic self, right? Trauma, mm-hmm. shame, those kind of things. And what I understand about authentic self, there there's this theory or there are these many theories. Uh, One particular is called parts that we all have parts to ourselves. Yes. 
And those parts are developed in order to survive situations. I think when we have to, the more parts we build within, the more the authentic self gets covered up. And those parts may need to be, that's where the work comes in. Those parts are there for safety. They're there for a reason, but sometimes they are so active that they cover up who I really am. And that's true because what, what, what is developed out of that is what we call limiting beliefs, right? Right. And, and so those limiting beliefs are, are, are those things that I don't, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be this way. Otherwise I won't fit. Mm-hmm. Right? And those are all limiting beliefs. And those are, those are the things that are attached to the parts and, and, and areas that we create in our lives in order for us to survive in these spaces. Mm-hmm. And sometimes right? that's just one part. Yeah. That one part can be so loud that I can't do that. I'm not smart enough for that. And it's always well, the loudest part, right? It's the loudest part. So if it's so loud, how are you, your authenticity ever going to come out? It's about, and it's not even about turning down the volume. It's about talking to that part. Because yeah. when that part pops up, I bet the person is really scared in those situations, Right. And then that part pops up to, for them to be safe. And then I think you need to communicate with that part and be like, okay, part, let's, let's do this thing. I can be scared and still do. Yeah. Right. And, and that goes back to what we we're talking about. Those, all those things can be both. And I can be authentic and I can be scared to do that. Well, I, I, I <laughs> and, and as I'm drawing on, on my experience as you're, you're talking about that, uh, you know, I, I went to work for a very large organization, you know, back then, you know, there were like the top six accounting auditing company in, in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, got to work for one of those companies. And I just remember going out to lunch with one of the partners, this is one of the things that you, the, the experience that you had, right. Uh, of, of faking where you belong. And all of the, the servers were black people wearing white gloves. <laughs> I had never seen anything like that before in my life on TV. Yes. Right. But that was just such a weird, ex- I, I felt so weird being there and, and felt like, God, I'm like so out of space. I wanted to run out of that, that space, but I know I couldn't run. Mm-hmm. because this was an important aspect of this career journey I was on, right. Mm-hmm. In corporate America. Okay. And, and, and I don't know, man, I, I, they think about that job of how much I had to fake to belong. Yeah. Right. Every day, you know um, you know, the way we dressed, the way we spoke and one voice, one look, one, you know, there was these regimented things in that period of time yeah. that, and it wasn't just me, <laughs> you know, right, the deal, right. coming from a different culture. I mean, I remember this one woman just having a nervous breakdown, mm. trying to belong, you know, and we were there like late night one night and she was standing on her desk screaming at the top of her. She was having a nervous breakdown. We had to call 911. Mm. So, I mean, just imagine, you know, her as a white woman, I'm a black man. It's just just dealing with, oh God, how do we fit into this space that was created by this patriarchal model, mm-hmm. right? Uh, where mm-hmm. we have to fake to belong, so. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the, and this is just such an aside, but when you said nervous breakdown, I know that's a common colloquialism for our society mm-hmm. to express yep. when someone can't handle anything anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. I don't call those a nervous breakdown. I call those breakthroughs because that that's a woman, very positive way. Yeah, yeah. She could not take any more. So she was like, if I take any more, I'm going to fucking explode. And she did. Well, she and did. She just had to let it out. <laughs> yep. She yeah. had to let it out. And that the, the thing after that, though, is calming her nervous system and, and making sure she's OK yeah. and not looking at it as a negative. But if some, I, I pray to God, if for those of us believe, who believe in God, right? The universe, yeah. spirit. I pray to spirit that somebody afterwards said to that woman, thank you for doing that. Now let's see what you want to do. Not in that era. I know. No. I know. Um, she, I know. She didn't last very long, just to let you know. She, I remember her coming back to work and yeah. seeing that she was in a totally different space. She was medicated. That's why. Yeah. She, she was it's like this person come in like, and I'm going like, oh, my gosh. Wow. Right. And all that passion and all that creativity was like locked in. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I call that a breakthrough. But I know. And 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 that to me sounds like a very, very hard situation that many people go through in yeah. particular, not necessarily just in corporate America, just working in spaces that are very patriarchally driven. Yep. Or very um, like a mono mono view of the world, right? That is a very very difficult thing, and that wrecks havoc on your physical health, mental health, emotional health. So I go all the health, all yeah. the health, <laughs> all of them, all those parts that are essential for you to function. Yep. you know, in a healthy way. Right. right? I mean, it's oh my god, blows my yep. mind. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking about, you know, how do we come up with vision? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and here I am jumping to like a vision, visioning journey map, a, a little thing that I like to play with in, in terms of which has been helpful for me and, and for some of my clients where I said, start with the end in mind. It does not have to be perfect. I want to just make sure that there's no perfection in this. And then let's envision what it's like if we went out three, six months and you wanted to walk back from, from your vision, what are all the, the, the hurdles that you think you may run into, right? And you come back to your current day and then you go forward and said, well, what are all the things, what are all the goals? What are all the things that I want to dream about until I get to that vision? And you start collecting and writing those down. I mean, so this is a simple tool that um, I have used to work with different people and then I, there's a bunch of questions that I want to ask around while we're going through that journey. It's almost like a journey mapping, right? We want to go through and figure out what does this look like? Because there's no perfection in this. We know that we're going to fail. We know we're going to have some successes and we're going to have breakthroughs and discovery in the process. So, you know, that's a whole thing about when I think about creating visions that they're not static, they're not monuments. You know that we're on the <laughs> the mall in Washington looking at, right? Right, right. What are your thoughts around you know those type of you know tool like this that would help people just see things, right? To me, it's like it's, it's amazing sometimes when when I could get up and put a sticky in a wall, mm-hmm. you know, like hey, here's a sticky with something that's really important on it or a picture, right, right, and right. that also sometimes gives people insights. Oh, wow. That's possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big intersection. I think of, of how we could both approach something in a similar way. Cause yeah. the, the end is 
may be necessary for some people, right? What, what, whatever that end is, right? And I think if, when I'm working with people, if there is, say I want, hell, a big one, I want to lose weight, right? Yeah. That, it, I, I swear, right? My thing. And my question, you know, it, it, and you have many questions along the way. So you do a timeline, right? And I, I guess what, within what you're saying, all I agree with all of it, the three month and the six month thing down the road, I don't know if I, it's good to say. Yeah. It's good to have just a benchmark yeah. and to have flexibility within that benchmark. Like even if you say something now and we meet in two or three weeks and you don't reach that benchmark, let's recalibrate. That's okay. There's a lot of false starts, right? It yeah. takes the average person seven times to go through rehab in order to handle whatever that addiction is. And when I say handle, it may mean abstinence for some, it may mean harm reduction for others, it, whatever it is for that person, right? So it's not going to just happen the first time. So I think those Many baby step. That's what you're sounding like too, right? To me, it's incremental stuff. Incremental right? step, right? The, yeah. the little baby goals to get through, and then the big picture starts to form more and more and more. That's true. And and as you're going through there, what we're looking at is, you know, what type of questions could we ask, right? Because it's not just a, oh, I'm going to look at at hurdles. So you know, we could said, well, when facing these hurdles, who do I need to be right. in this? at that moment mm -hmm. right and and whether it's losing weight or a career or building a relationship who do i need to be right? yeah. and that's also the sense of belonging or um maybe it's my perspective on the world how does that limit me right, right in, in this process so it's, it's as we're going through the journey there's a series of questions that we want to just prompt ourselves mm -hmm. in the process mm -hmm. so we can learn more because right. it's it's a it's a discovery. It's it's an experiment. It's a, it's a journey. It really yeah. is a journey. Life is a journey. And I, I think those those questions change. Yeah. And how we get to how we do what we do changes. And and it's really important in parts of this to ask people where have they felt like they've succeeded and what took them, what parts of them were used in order for that success, and to be able to transfer those skills to this new thing, right? Because yeah. we know they can do it. And we know there's the capability and there's the confidence and all of that. And then that, that's where I see people go, yeah, I can do a great with other people in other situations. But with this one, I seem to just lose my shit. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and look, man, it's, it's really important for us to have grace with ourselves, right? That's part of empathy, right? For, for ourselves as well, as we're going through this journey of, of trying to understand. Yeah. Um, I think self-compassion is so important. Yeah. So very important. Y yes, it is. Yep. You know, things that we have to do. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I think this is, this is, what do you think? This is a good time for us to bring this to a close. I think we have some yeah. great conversation happening. Yeah. Um, um, anything that you would like to add before we like jump out and until our next episode? No, I, I, this was kind of fun. We don't know where it's going. We're yeah. kind of on a journey ourselves. We, you know, to see how this works out how how whatever our end goal is to continue to do podcast 
Yes, right. right? <laughs> it's an experiment, right? It's an experiment. Right, right. No, yeah. I think we're good. Good. So, well, hey, thank you for listening to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast with my friend Tracy Tracy. And as we're on this journey talking about belonging and healing as part of our process and journey. And um, I'd just like to say this is copywritten 2021, Dr. Dave Cornelius and knowledgeshare.org. And um, we look forward to, to speaking to you next time. So we'll probably set up a few different ways so you could connect with us as we post our podcast. And, um, you know, thank you so much, Tracy, for going on this venture with me. <laughs> thank you for asking. This is going to be fun. I know. I know it would. I know it would be if it was you and I having this conversation. Of course. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait till we start getting into it, though. That'll oh, Lord. be fun. I know. Right. Oh, Lord. I'm scared. Uh, don't be I'm, scared. Don't I'm be scared. scared. Don't be scared. Yeah, okay. I won't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No, no share with Dr. Dave.